1025. It's time to talk football. It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Hello and welcome to Friday's Clyde One Super Scoreboard It is me, Stephen Mill, in for Gordon Duncan once again And we have a big show between now and 8 o'clock You'll hear from the Scotland boss, Steve Clark Very shortly we'll be chatting about Hibs appointing Jack Ross Not Ross Jack, as I said a few minutes ago And Queen's Park voting to become a professional side We will be speaking to their president And I'm sure we'll have some tax chat to chew over as well Joining me in the studio for their wisdom and insight Is Craig Beattie and Hugh Keevings Happy, happy birthday Hugh, how's your week? Been has it been all right? It's been great, and I will approach my first program as a 17 year old as I did my last program as a 69 year old. I'll just tell you what I think <laughs> now. Tonight, the chief executive of HMRC, Jim Hara, has sent a letter to his uh, department's accusers. He's told the newspaper in question there were no mistakes made by HMRC. Which led to Rangers' insolvency And he has accused the newspaper of And I quote Inaccurate and partial reporting Now for me This is a story of two presumptions There is a presumption of guilt On the part of the Rangers supporters Who accuse HMRC of malpractice There is also a presumption of innocence On the part of HMRC Who say no mistakes were made When calculating Rangers' tax liability And then In the middle, you have the court, the Supreme Court, the highest court in the land. Now, for me, they found in HMRC's favour two years ago. I don't think the Supreme Court has an agenda against Rangers or any other football club. They just do the law. We had so many calls on this last night. I'm sure we'll have a few just now. So it's 0141 951 1025. And as you said, Hugh, it's not as if the HMRC chief executive is dishing out these letters very lightly. No. And I think the way in which he has expressed himself in the letter, uh, he clearly feels that his particular department uh, have been unfairly treated. And when he uses the expression partial reporting, then we're into another area of dispute as well. So, I freely admit, hands up, I am no tax expert. I am no temporary tax consultant. I simply believe that if the Supreme Court find in your favour, then the chances are the Supreme Court know what they're doing. Craig Beatty, are you a tax expert? Or uh... no, um, <laughs> far, far from it as it goes. Um, just the whole the whole scenario is is an absolute mess. It has been for a number of years now, um, and obviously the HMRC have issued that, that letter or statement today um, to try and clear certain scenarios up. Um, but for me, um, you know, I, I think we have to move on from it. Um, we're not going to. There's no point looking back. We, ha- we have to move on. Listen, it's unfortunate. There was a lot of people at the club lost their jobs, etc. Um, you know the, the fans are they're tweeting and moaning about having to now watch a, a certain calibre of player compared to what they would have been had what what they perceive of the HMRC getting it wrong. Um, but I think I think we have to move on. Um, and and everything's been very very positive recently in, in Scottish football, both for Rangers being back at, at, at top top strength, challenging at the top of the league, and you know giving Celtic that challenge which they they long awaited. There are certain stories, Craig, that fall into the believe what you like category. Now, if you're a Rangers supporter, you believe that your club has been hard done by. Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs believe that no mistakes were made and that there are 
is no agenda against any, any football club. They're simply going about their business as they believe to be the right way to go about their business. And they, tonight, again, repeat that they believe they have made no mistakes or miscalculations. And as Craig was saying, and I said this last night on the show as well, this is like 2012 all over again. And there's so many positive things to talk about the league this season in terms of the title challenge. It looks like it's uh-huh. going to go right down to the wire. Is it, you know, you were here in the uh-huh. dark days of 2011 and 2012, Hugh. Is this like Groundhog Day for you as well? Um, with a twist, you know, because the chief executive of uh, HMRC did not, Uh, put his head above the parapet and uh, make certain things clear. Uh, So it'll obviously have a way to run. And remember that negotiations are ongoing between BDO and HMRC and that these negotiations over the extent of Rangers tax liability uh, are expected to be concluded sometime in 2020. Okay, let's go to the lines then and take our first call of the night and we'll speak to Craig in Cumbernauld. You are live on Clyde One Super Scoreboard. What's your point, Craig? Uh, how we doing, gents? Uh, happy birthday to yourself there, Hugh. Thank you. Um, uh, yeah, I think, you know, I've heard this uh, being spoken about over the last sort of about four years or so and, you know, I, I think if there has been a mistake by... Uh, HMRC, uh, particularly in the scale that's been alleged, um, and I think it's important to say alleged, there are no concrete hard facts to say that actually this is the case um, but if there is a mistake that has been made to that scale, then absolutely HMRC should be held to account for that and there should be answers given uh, to Rangers and the fans because I think we would deserve that. However I also think a lot of my fellow fan, uh, Rangers fans have overreacted a bit um, because, you know, I was listening last night and there was a lot of them talking about how, you know, well, you know, Rangers would have never went bust and this would have happened and that. No one knows what would or wouldn't have happened. And it's important to point out as well, Rangers were badly, badly mismanaged by Craig White, by Charles Green and even by David Murray before he left. He, in my opinion, has never, ever been held to account for his actions, which is utterly wrong. He was the one that introduced the EBTs. Now, other clubs have done it, but it doesn't mean that it isn't wrong and that it isn't tax avoidance, because that's what it was. And ultimately, he brought the mess into the club, sold it for a pound to Craig White, who rather than help Rangers, actually was you know taken from a club that didn't actually have a lot left as it was at the time. So, you know, of course, there's a possibility there's a world where Rangers may not have went bust. But the fact is, we were also badly mismanaged from the inside as well. So there's a responsibility to bear from Rangers Football Club as well as HMRC, in my opinion. Uh, I think you presented your case very fairly, Craig. Uh, the, the Rangers fans, like yourself, uh, probably don't need any more painful reminders of uh, some of the people who ran the club uh, and who did not run the club sufficiently well but I have to go back to tonight's latest development that the Chief Executive of Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs Jim Hara has sent a letter to the Times newspaper who published allegations about HMRC and has stated unequivocally that no mistakes were made now if in the fullness of time 
anyone can prove that mistakes were made, then I think the Rangers supporters would be entitled to an inquiry into what went on. I think that would only be fair. However, as things stand tonight, you have Jim Hara, the chief executive of HMRC, categorically denying that any mistakes, far less any deliberate miscalculations, were made by his department. Would you like to come back in, Craig? Yeah, well, listen, I think, of course, the um, chief executive at HMRC is going to come out and say that. You know, he's not going to openly say we did anything wrong. As of yet, you know, there are, there's no proof. But at the same time, I, I actually think as well, you know, the papers have not exactly done Rangers any favours over the years. So, for you know, particularly in respect to this, you know, some of the figures that have been getting banded about in the past by news outlets are a bit mad. You know, but, figures but, like uh, a million uh, pounds uh, and stuff but, like that. But, but in fairness, in fairness, uh, newspapers uh, they do not uh, put together Rangers tax liability. Uh, that's the the function of HMRC and nobody else. And again, to defend the media, Craig, you outlined yourself, people who have been responsible for running Rangers. Uh, that's not the fault of the media. The club was passed from one set of hands to another set of hands and things did not get any better. That's not the media's fault. They were simply reporting on a club that was headed towards administration and then liquidation. That, that's very, very true, and I don't deny that. I just think there's been, over the past years, and actually it's funny that this comes out in this week, because actually over the past week on this programme, you know, I've heard a lot of Celtic fans come on talking about Rangers' finances because of this loss as well that was apparently made, and the fact is there is an obsession, and has been since this happened with Rangers, with the finances at the club, and it, it feels like at times, for Rangers fans' point of view, like... People are just waiting for when Rangers go bust again. I mean, Celtic are Celtic fans are hoping and praying Rangers go bust again. That's why they're so obsessed. I, I, I don't. It seems like the media are the same. I don't. No, no. But bear in mind here, it was the media in the forms of in the form of Times Scotland who brought this story to light, alleging that there may have been a serious miscalculation. It was the media who brought that to light. No, I'm not saying. To clarify that, I wasn't saying that the media were hoping for Rangers to go bust again. I think Celtic fans are. I'm saying that the media have had an obsession with Rangers finances as much as um, anyone else has over the past few years as well. But like I say, for me, it is all of these Celtic fans constantly talk about, oh, what about Rangers losing this? I mean, but, there was a guy listen. on Sunday who literally said, would you think Rangers losing £8 million? And then hung up because they're obsessed. They want Rangers well, to go but bust listen, again. But I don't, I don't dispute what you say, that there, there are some... And not all, because a lot of Celtic supporters would not want to see anything happen to Rangers because ultimately it is not good for the state of our game. So I would have to make that case on their behalf. Of course there are some who wish Rangers ill, as there are Rangers supporters who wish Celtic ill. That is just the nature of the rivalry between the two clubs. But when you have a story as big as the story of Rangers and the problems that they encountered eight, nine years ago. Of course it becomes the biggest story in the land because Rangers and Celtic are the two biggest clubs in the land and if something of that magnitude happens, it does get exhaustive media coverage. 
Well, as it should. I just think some of the media coverage has not always been fair because, you know, I think people seem to forget throughout the whole process. And I I remember, you know, 2011 and 12 when this was going on. um, And, you know, the the treatment of some of the people within the club as well as the the fans, even somebody like Alan McCoy, a club legend, in my opinion, was treated appallingly in that time. But people seem to forget, and I think the media seem to forget the time when this was being reported, not always in the kindness of terms, that you were talking about fans here of a football football club. Now, yes, when Rangers went bust, it hurt. But it, it hurt more that they went bust and this idea was still being plugged along um, and fueled by the media about how, you know, obviously they're not the same club anymore, they're a different club. Technically, that's true, but to the thousands of people who support, to the 50,000 plus who go to Ibrox, and actually, you know, even when they were in the third division and the second division and the championship, they were still getting, you know, 30, 40,000 bums in seats at Ibrox. So people were still passionate about. And I've the made club. that point, I've made that um, point time without number. Uh, but Craig, you know, this is, as I say, the classic believe what you like story. There'll be Ranger supporters who believe that HMRC have conspired against the club and brought about its insolvency. And that now you have HMRC stating publicly in a letter from the chief executive that no miscalculation was made. Well, they are going to defend their position. The fact is that if, if a mistake was made, and I suspect that you know some sort of mistake was made because I don't think the bill was as high, and I don't think that. Um, what, what are you basing that on, Craig? Craig, what are you basing that on? Well, I'm basing on the fact I, I can't. <laughs> excuse me. I think Gordon Dale was saying it last night as well. To me, when when you hear some of the figures come out, I, I can't. If it is. A true figure Then it just reflects Even worse than Rangers But for me The idea That a club of Rangers size Which bear in mind At the time We were still In Europe But we were only A couple of years removed From being in a UEFA Cup final So it wasn't as if money Wasn't coming into the club And I don't think That just EBTs alone Would amount to You know A £70 million plus pound Tax bill And I also feel like What does this paper that's released this actually have to gain by saying, by making this allegation, all right, okay, readers, I suppose, but I, I, there's no reason for anyone to make up a lie. The, the HMRC the, the made a mistake. The difficulty that you and I and everyone else has here, Craig, I don't even fill in my tax return because, like everyone else, I'm wary of HMRC. So I take my tax return an accountant and he fills it in and I pay him for it that's how unsure I am of how to go about my business therefore I could not stand here in front of you and tell you oh well I know exactly what Rangers tax liability should be I don't I expect that to be worked out by the appropriate source and if they have got it wrong it will come out in the wash but all I can tell you is that as of tonight the chief executive has written to the newspaper in question and said no Miscalculation has been made And furthermore He's also accused the newspaper Of partial reporting I'll let the two of them sort it out Craig, thank you very much For your call tonight, pal That was uh, very insightful Very balanced there Thank you very much And uh, enjoy the rest of the weekend Alright And I see the way He's away So uh, yes, it was um, 
Yes, we've managed to make it through the first part of the show. <laughs> That's the tax bit over with. We are going to get on to Scotland a wee bit later on. But final point, you know, and, and I said this last night as well. There is so many good things on the pitch to be yeah. talking about. Mm-hmm. Is it just not about time that even for Rangers fans, and we had a couple of callers last night, just wanting that to be water under the bridge, that's all in the past. We need to concentrate on this season. I think the story is too big. And winning the title. No, the, the story is too big um, because Rangers supporters feel a deep sense of anger uh, that it should have come to this for their club. And therefore, if they suspect for one moment that there was any miscalculation, then they want it investigated thoroughly. On the other side, HMRC say there was no miscalculation. Now, we must let everyone debate the point, and if anyone can prove categorically, unequivocally, that a mistake has been made, let them come forward. Exactly. I'm sure we will be revisiting this in the weeks and months and years to come. It's never ending. But next, we will move on and chat about Scotland. We'll be hearing from Ian McCall on Lauren Shankland. We'll have a wee chat about the strikers as well. And we'll be joined on the line from a Scotland fan in Cyprus as well. Don't go anywhere. Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors. Getting you full compensation is their goal. Talk to Thompson's.com. Welcome back. It's Stephen Mill in for Gordon Duncan. I'm joined in the studio tonight by Hugh Evans and Craig Beatty. Right, on to Scotland then. Two qualifiers of what has been a pretty miserable campaign so far. Cyprus, 2pm kickoff tomorrow and then Kazakhstan on Tuesday night. Hugh Evans, uh, it has been a terrible Terrible campaign, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and we're now talking about uh, two games that are virtually meaningless. They're not totally meaningless because we're looking to build any kind of momentum, any kind of self-esteem before we go into the playoffs in March. Uh, but we're threadbare with so many uh, call-offs. I think Stevie Clark now has to rely on those who have been having a good season. John McGinn, Ryan Jack, Ryan Christie, James Forrest. Callum McGregor, these are the guys he's got to lean on and also, for me, take a chance on Lauren Shankland up front because square pegs and round holes is not what a manager's looking for. Just put the round peg in the round hole. Shankland's a striker. If he has a poor game, strikers do from time to time. If he has a good game, then his confidence grows. We're going to hear from Ian McCall, the Partick Thistle manager, who obviously worked with Lauren Shankland at Air United, and we'll get onto that chat in just a wee second. One of the other issues, obviously, Andy Robertson is out. Who's going to captain the side, Craig Bay? Um, I listened to Steve Clark earlier on today, um, and when his interviews, and he said that it would determine his, his team selection um, before he was going to name the captain. That for me would probably suggest it would be one of the outfield players, possibly Callum McGregor. Um, for me, I think it should be David Marshall. Um, you know, he's he's got a number of caps. He's very experienced. He's a good talker. Um, you know, having to, to organise an ever changing uh, backline, it's obviously not going to be for the long term. Um, so I would like to see him go with the kind of the experience, David Marshall. He did address that, as you say, Craig Beatty. So let's hear from the manager, Steve Clark. Now, I think I'll, I'll keep that one under wraps till tomorrow. Uh, obviously, it will depend a little bit on team selection as well. So we're not going to give out the team today. So you you find out tomorrow. When I've always been a as a manager, even as a player, I, I feel that. Everybody in the dressing room should be a leader. Everyone should try and take on part of the role of the captain. It's, it's not something that should just be down to one person. You know, you want as many leaders, as many positive people as you can in the camp, and, and that's what we're trying to 
trying to build here. How frustrating have the call-offs been and what have you had to do to, to make sure that it doesn't impact too much on the squad? No, they were frustrating, obviously, at the start when you name your squad and then you get the call-offs. It's frustrating, but I'm learning quickly in this job. You have to move on. I've got 23 players here who want to be here. Uh, they all want to be part of what we're doing. They're all here. They're all trained well this week, and I concentrate on those 23. We've got two games before the March playoffs, so anybody who's here in camp has got a great chance to catch my attention and make sure that they're in the squad in March because they have the opportunity to make themselves pickable. You know, if they do well for the team now in this in this uh, this camp, these two games, then there's every chance they'll be involved in March. That's the only thing we can really get out of this this mm. sort of double header, Hugh, isn't it? Maybe somebody who's not in his thoughts can play their way into yeah. his thoughts ahead of March. I think it's unfair to suggest that players are now ducking and diving where the national team is concerned. I honestly believe McTominay obviously injured, Andy Robertson obviously injured. Uh, so. You know, it's wrong to suggest that anyone is less than enthusiastic about playing for the country. If you're honest with yourself, like Robert Snodgrass, uh, and say, look, my time's up here. Matt Ritchie. Matt Ritchie never gave you the impression that he was desperate to play for Scotland. But at least he's said, right, that's me. My time is up. That's fine. If you decide that you, for whatever reason, don't want to play anymore, fine. Just declare yourself. But I believe that those who are there are volunteers and that they're not there because they've been conscripted. Yeah. And in terms of those players, this is an interesting Sorry, thing. I'm, no, I'm not so sure. Um, I'm not so sure. Again, I read an article today and it was Steve Clark's assistant and he'd actually used the, the phrase, they're genuinely injured, uh-huh. um, which, which to me suggests that he's making a case for the players who are injured just now that are genuine. But that to me suggests that there's, there's probably been instances very, very recently where... He doesn't quite think it's been so genuine. If he, if he's having to emphasise that these players are now genuinely injured, Steve Clark said in that interview there that the players that actually want to be here. So I, I think there's I'm I'm reading into what they're saying here, and I think there's there's another message in there that you know there's times that the players don't want to be there or might not be genuinely injured. Well, um, can you think of a, an example? Um, Listen, I'm, I'm not going to call anybody out because they most certainly haven't. But I'm just, I'm just listening to what what they're saying here, and um, I've just, I'm just not convinced that that all is rosy in the Scotland camp right now. Well, uh, McTominay left the field in a stretcher. Yep. Uh, Andy Robertson is there for everything, uh, and if he feels that for once he has to bow out, uh-huh. I think he's entitled to that call. Yeah, listen, again, I'm absolutely okay with that But what I'm saying is his assistant is then, for me, alluding to In squads gone by, that the players maybe haven't quite been genuinely injured Yeah, and obviously we're only two games away I know it's been a terrible campaign But we are only two games away from qualifying for Euro 2020 Do you think they'll have the same problems when it comes to selecting his squad for next summer? If we do get there? That's, um, it's very much hypothetical You know, if we're playing against England, for example, on the weekend would the squad be as it is just now? Would we have as many call-offs? Would would there be you know people not wanting to play for their country or retiring from international football during a campaign, which is probably not the, the greatest timing for me? Um, I'm I'm not so sure. I think those who have retired have definitely said I, I can't be bothered with this anymore, uh, and they, they've gone and publicly declared themselves. We've got grey areas like Stephen Fletcher who. Um, I believe does not want to play for Scotland, and he, he can phone up and contradict me if if I'm wrong. But 
uh, He's a grey area He for me just doesn't want to play for us uh, But the bottom line here Is that we've, we've got who we've got We're going to have to rely On the players who've been doing big things this season And that's As I say Christie, McGregor, Forrest, Ryan, Jack um, And G, uh, John McGinn I think John McGinn would make an excellent Scotland captain for no other reason than he's got a real greeting face, John. He certainly does, yeah. If Stephen Fletcher is listening, by the way, it's 0141 at 951 1025. Let's hear what Steve Clark had to say about just finishing as high up in the group as we can. We're working towards a target. We have a, we have a definite target in, in the group to finish in third position. Mm-hmm. And we have a definite target come March when we have the, the qualifying games that, that give us a, a second opportunity to get to Euro 2020. Obviously you've had a, a few um, changes at centre-half in the last, well, every game, I think, just since you came in. Uh, and obviously it'll be a change at left-back as well now. Has it been difficult to get that momentum at the back? Or do you feel everybody knows their job well enough that it, it doesn't really matter who, who plays? I think what we're trying to do is we're trying to put in a, a structure and a way of playing that no matter who the personnel is, uh, they understand what, what's expected of them in the context of the team performance. So hopefully you can... You saw that in the last couple of games and, and hopefully you'll see that in the games going forward It sounds like you know he is trying to he knows there's going to be call-offs and he knows mm-hmm. there's going to be players who won't be available all the time so he's trying to work with what he's got as we were saying Hugh but implement a system that he probably did at Kilmarnock and had far more time to implement it well, than what he does at international level At the moment it's very very plain we are indifferent at the back uh, we are indifferent up front and in the middle, we're packed with good players. Uh, I've never known such a time. Uh, but I have to believe that even though it's Cyprus away, it doesn't matter. We have to be better than Cyprus, even with a slightly threadbare squad like this one. We've never lost the Cyprus, Craig. Do you see that happening tomorrow? No, I don't, to be fair. Um, so I think it's, I think we're going to get a, a positive result tomorrow. Um, but just touching on what you, what you mentioned about Steve Clark and Kilmarnock there, that, that was the, the one thing that, that stood out for me, that all the players knew their role at Kilmarnock. And it didn't matter what the personnel was on the match day, they knew their role within the team. Um, and I was excited about that when Steve Clark got the, the Scotland manager's job. Now, Cyprus, we, we got a, a very, very late winner by Ollie Burke to win the game 2-1. Um, and you could see initially at the start of the Cyprus match what we're looking to do. I think one of the first phases... Um, the right winger for Cyprus got the uh, for sorry um, yeah Cyprus got the ball and Andy Robertson initially went to run out and go and press him the way he would at Liverpool. He then put the brakes on and he stayed in his left back area and he waited in Ryan Fraser to come back and actually press him and they kind of doubled up on the wide player and I thought right okay so the manager's been working with him they've identified how he wants to play defensively and it started to work. Now the problem he's had is since then we've had Belgium Russia both twice and, and we've had a doing so after sort of seeing signs initially of what Steve Clark was trying to do we've then played two very 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 good countries the last game San Marino you win 6-0 you're, you're kind of expected to um, now I think Steve's under a wee bit of pressure this time in terms of I think the country really wants to see now because we're not playing against Belgium and Russia what we've actually been working on we want to see what your formation is we want to see what we're going to do in terms of the Nations League final in March because this is the last two opportunities to to prepare for but, these games But can he be judged Accurately Craig When you've got McTominay out when, Robertson when depleted No um, And you know we're, we're going to be working with um, the, You know the, the, the squad of players That are available just now And literally it's all he's got But come March The, the squad's going to be Totally different oh, again yeah. There's arguably Five or six starters 
not going to be there now you know, you know, do you take them along like Sir Tierney Robertson? Do you meet up with the squad? So you're listening, you're in the meetings, you're listening to what the managers want to do, how he's want to play. It, you know, has he got scope to do that? Would, would their clubs allow that? Um, I think, I think there has to be to be scope for them for the players actually being there, being present for for a certain period of time. We've got a major problem at the moment, insofar as uh, when we have played the the Russians and Belgians, we don't just lose; we get to do it. Uh, We've got withdrawals from the squad, people retiring from international football. There's a feeling that Scotland doesn't grab everyone the way it used to. And that applies to fans as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we we need to boost our self-esteem. And the qualification is the only way to do that. If we fail to qualify, we have hit the bottom of the pile. Hugh, in an absolute nutshell, what you've just said there is I spoke to a friend of mine on the way in here tonight and he actually said he's got two tickets for the match on Tuesday night uh-huh. and he's not sure if he's going to go. He's got two complimentary tickets. <laughs> Three, I beg your pardon. He's going to take his two children and he's not sure if he's going to go. And that's, I think that's that's where we're at as a nation. I, th- I think we're low on enthusiasm. Now, is that the fault of the players? Is that the fault of the manager and the team? Or is that the fault of the fans, you know, as, as a collective... No collective group of fans, um, but whatever we whatever we do, we've, we've got to get get some sort of enthusiasm back there for towards the national team. And we need to score goals. And the man who probably will be tasked with doing that tomorrow, we're hearing, is Lauren Shankland. Ian McCall worked with him extensively at Air. This is what I had to say about. Him. Well, I thought he should have been in it six months before he was, and I said so. You know, you're not going to get a boy camped at Air United, which is wrong, but there you are. Um, no, nothing will surprise me that boy. I think he'll go from strength to strength. He's he's uh, people. I think a lot of people still don't realise what a good footballer is. There are a lot of people, apart from people that have worked with him, uh, I just think he's a goal scorer. He's a lot, lot more than that. Is that quite a, a proud feeling for you, knowing that this was a guy that, that you brought in and, and nurtured? That's well, listen, Long's done 99% of it himself, but I have, you know, I've, I've spoken to the family and his girlfriend and him, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's. I mean, I think all the players that played with him at Air and the staff there will all be uh, very proud of him. Craig Bay, is he who you'd be starting up front tomorrow? Um, listen, I really like Lauren Shankland. Um, I watched him particularly close in the, the San Marino game and what I really enjoyed about watching him was his movement. Um, I know he scores a lot of goals and he's, he's actually far better than the, the Scottish Championship where he's playing his trade at the minute for, for Dundee United. Um, so I wanted I watched him with the mindset of being thinking outside the box you know I didn't just want to see him scoring tap hands I was watching his movement I was watching how he was holding the ball up how he was linking it little movements in the box to lose defenders and I was really impressed with him however the fact that he's playing in the Scottish Championship with all due respect he probably wouldn't be my first choice to, to lead the, the line um, for the national team at the minute um, it's an Ollie McBurney who I think is a good player um, I think he's lacking in confidence at the minute he's only got one goal in English Premiership this season um, I, I get that he's in, in a Sheffield United team in a, in a very very tough English Premiership but he had 24 goals last year in the English Championship which is a really good return as well as countless assists and I do think Ollie McBurney's a good player For me I'll take Shankland uh, um, McBurney yep I can't argue with Craig's stat about the goals he got last season however I just think that at the moment Shankland's hot 
Who is right? Craig Beatty or Hugh Evans? 01419511025. Is it Shankland or is it Ollie McBurney up front for Scotland tomorrow? We'll also chat about the centre half pairings as well. We'll do that after we get the latest on the roads with Amber next. Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors. They play to win every time. Talk to Thompson's.com. Welcome back to the show. It's Stephen Mill in for Gordon Duncan. Another big talking point in Scottish football today then the appointment of Jack Ross as the new Hibs manager. Initial reaction, Hugh Evans. I think it's a good appointment. Uh, it didn't go as well as we expected it would for Jack at Sunderland. Lost the playoff and then results were not good enough and he lost his job. That happens in football. Uh, but it doesn't mean to say you can't bounce back. And he's clearly impressed uh, Ron Gordon, the new Hibs owner, and uh, Leanne Dempster. And... Uh, I think that he will be a safe pair of hands for Hibs and uh, I wish him all the very best. Craig Beatty, is it a concern that he's never managed in Scottish football's top flight? No, I don't think so because where he has managed in Scotland, he's, he's managed very, very well. Um, you know, He's a clever guy and he's also a, a very, very good coach. So again, um, to reiterate what Hugh said, um, I think um, Hibs will be in very safe hands with, with Jack Ross at the helm. We have Bobby on the line from Gurick. You're a Hibs fan. Bobby, are you a happy man today? Do you know what? I probably am, actually. Um, I think I'm, I'm happy that we've acted decisively because the lesser club in Edinburgh are looking for a manager as well. <laughs> so, um, I, I don't, do you know, there's a bit of chatter about whether he was interviewed for the Hearts job. I don't know if that's true or not, but, well, he's at Easter Road now. Um, I... I don't look at his record. I don't really remember a lot of him at St Mirren. But what I do remember at St Mirren was I seen a St Mirren team under Alex Ray, I think before Jack Ross took over, and they were dismal. And I think they, they took essentially the same players um, and built them into a team that was hard to beat and then was winning games and ultimately won the league. So, yeah, do you know what? I'm hopeful. Um, I think he'll do a lot of the simple things. Um I heard you mention earlier about Scotland about square pegs and round holes and I think that's been one of our biggest problems this season is that we had a manager who was very, very rigid in the formation he wanted to play and we probably didn't have the players to play that formation and I think that Jack will be more I think he'll be more flexible I think it was a slightly easier appointment for Hibs to make than Hearts, to be fair, because Hearts are looking to put a sporting director in place before they name the manager. Uh, Hibs have their infrastructure all taken care of, but lacked a manager. They made a shambles of it with uh, Neil Lennon. They then appointed the wrong man in Paul Heckingbottom. They have, for me, appointed a safe pair of hands in Jack Ross. I think it would be good for him, good for the club, but Bobby you'll know yourself There are bits of dead wood there That need to be moved out the road at Hibs Bobby I think you made a good point there With uh, Paul Heckenbottom and, and his tactics Because I think we've we seen in the weekend there That for the first time in a long time Hibs went two up front with Camberry and Doidge And you know, it seemed to, to do the trick Because Hugh's favourite player Doidge got a hat-trick on the weekend So um, it does appear that he's been a wee bit stubborn With the, with the kind of lone strike of the 4-3-3 formation Um and then obviously the, the change on the weekend by Eddie May seems seem to have worked wonders. I, do you know what? Absolutely. And I think that um, it was the League Cup games, my friends were saying to me, this guy's not going to work. Do you know that there's big problems here? And 
he's not changing. And I was like, nah, do you know what? The guy's got a really good background, his master's in, in sports coaching. He'll be looking at the, the, the feedback after the game and he'll change things. But I think when what happened at Ibrox, can you, well, it's interesting you're talking about um, Neil Lennon there, Hugh, but can you imagine a Neil Lennon Hibs team going in at Ibrox after losing 6 1? He would kill them. <laughs> do you know? And, and it was like, do you know, it was just like, oh, well, we lost 6 1, let's move on to the next game, which is great, you know, like in terms of um, psychobabble. But, do you know, it's like that's not what you want. That's not what you want. You, you want the players to actually. Um, that's not acceptable. I'm not sure that Paul Heckenbottom got Scottish football, got Hibs. Uh, he got the fans on his back when he made the, what he thought was a flippant remark about Scott Allen. The fans didn't find it to be funny. Uh, and on the park, the performances were not good enough and the, the, they looked very weak when they lost to Celtic in the Betfred Cup semi-final. So all in all, I think it is a good appointment and now Jack has um, a full week to prepare Hibs for the end of the international break and the resumption of league football because, as you well know Bobby, where Hibs sit in the league right now is not acceptable to you or any Hibs fan. No, absolutely not. And I think that when you look at the budget that we've got and even the players, do you know, it just it, it doesn't stack up. You know, there, there's something, there was something seriously wrong there, and yeah, you know, it's like, I, I mean, one of the one of the stats that just was going in my head when I was like waiting, waiting to speak to you there was that we've not kept a clean sheet in the league since the opening day of the season. Mm. If we'd kept even a couple of clean sheets, Paul Heckingbottom would still be in a job. You know, we'd be six points better off or four points better off, but we wouldn't be down where we are. But you know, eleven games without a clean sheet. That's that's a serious problem. I actually agree with you about um, it didn't get Scottish football, and I think that he might. I don't think he'll ever be back in Scottish football. But if he was, I think he would make a better stab of it next time, knowing what he knows now. But one of the things that for me, I was when I became the manager, what I wanted was somebody that had an understanding of Scottish football, because our failures, Pat, uh, Pat Fenland. Um, Colin Calderwood, um, our managers that came in with no knowledge of Scottish football, and I, I don't, I don't think you necessarily need need the knowledge of Scottish football, but it's a long curve to to get there if you've got your preconceived ideas and you're not going to be flexible. Well, that's not a problem that will afflict Jack Ross. Uh, the we do take your point on board about the last time Hibs kept a clean sheet. Take the other side of the coin as a positive hope for the future that against a very, very good Celtic side in the Betfred Cup semi-final, Hibs still scored twice. And also, they scored five times last time out against St Johnston. So, all is not lost. Absolutely not. And Jack Ross has confirmed three and a half year deal he has signed at Easter Road. Bobby, thank you very much for your call. 0141 951 1025 is the number. Scotland under 21s are also playing tonight at Tynecastle. It's Scotland under 21s against Greece. And our reporter, Andrew McLean, is there. 
Thank you, Stephen, and good evening from Tynecastle. Scotland's under-21s playing their fifth match of Euro 2021 qualifying against Greece, and they're looking to continue that unbeaten run that they've had so far to the campaign. Two wins and two draws from their opening four matches. Scott Gemmell side just behind the Czech Republic at the top of the table on goal difference. And the nation that finishes in top spot after ten matches qualifies for the tournament automatically. You can still go through in second place as well. The best runners-up go automatically automatically into the tournament while the rest of the second place teams go into a playoff. This is a good chance though for Scotland to go top of the table tonight if they can beat Greece and they'll open up a four point lead on their opponents tonight as well. They've built their campaign so far and a good foundation of defence. Scotland just one goal conceded in their opening four matches. Only four goals scored though so they'll be looking to add a few to that tally tonight. As for the team news, Ross Doohan starts in goal it's a back four of Jamie Brandon, Barry Maguire, George Johnson and Daniel Harvey. The midfield three, Alan Campbell, Lewis Ferguson and Billy Gilmore. And it's going to be Jordan Holsgrove out wide along with Stephen Kelly. And the striker up top is Fraser Hornby. The substitutes, Wright, McCrory, Reading, Middleton, Smith, Campbell, Scott, McLennan and Henderson. We'll keep you updated if there's any goals there. It's a seven o'clock kickoff at Tynecastle. The one name that always sticks out when we talk about the under-21s is Billy Gilmore. Oh. I've heard so much about him from so many different people and uh, he does really look like one for the future. But again, he's a centre midfielder. Like We've just produced loads of them over the past wee while at this time as well. Yeah, we need a Mo Johnson, an Ali McCoy, yeah. a Dennis Law, a Frank McAvenny. Send us a goal scorer Yeah please please Right We are just a few Minutes away From this Beat the pundit With the Scottish Sun For the best football news And opinion online The Scottish Sun.co.uk Slash football Okay it's a very special Beat the pundit tonight It's Hugh Evans And Craig Beatty You'll be taking one of them on Just after 7 o'clock And thanks to our friends At Migo Sports And Muir End Tonight's Beat the pundit Contestant will win A fantastic five-a-side Team prize Who's to celebrate Their 10th birthday Celebrations this weekend Of Migo Sports Sports. The Southside Sports Retailer will kit you out with your full five-a-side team in specialist football top shorts and socks and the prize is for seven players so even your subs will look the part as well. Migo Sports is open from 9.30 tomorrow morning through to half past five with celebrations, cake and all the rest of it to mark ten years of business will pop in and say hello if you're in the area. How are you feeling tonight, Lance? I heard of Beat the Pundit. Are you confident? Always confident. Mm, have a wee look at the questions, Craig Beatty. What you think? Yeah, won, won my last one convincingly, um, yeah. but never confident. I get really yeah. nervous doing Always this. Always confident, never successful. I get uh, get very very nervous, and the actual amount of times I actually get picked to do it's incredible. <laughs> Gordon DL won last night, so listen, anything's possible. Anything is possible. If you want to give us a call, it's oh one four one nine five one one zero two five. If you want to take on Hugh or Craig, we will do it next. You have until the end of the news to get your calls in. Clyde One Super Scoreboard. With Thompson's personal injury solicitors. Compensation you deserve. When there's been foul play, talk to Thompson's.com. That is Clyde One Super Scoreboard on Friday night with me, Stephen Mill. I'm in for Gordon Duncan. Hugh Evans and Craig Beatty are in the studio. Coming up between now and eight o'clock. Craig, you've been ruffling a few feathers this week with an interview you did on the telly. So we might get into that. If you're a Celtic fan, I'm sure you've got an opinion on that. 01419511025 is a number if you want to maybe challenge what Craig said earlier on in the week but it's time for this Beat the Pundit with the Scottish Sun For the best football news and opinion online thescottishsun.co.uk slash football It is Beat the Pundit your chance to take on either Hugh or Craig and joining us on the line tonight's contestant it's David from Woodlands how are you doing David? 
Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How about yourself? Yeah, not too bad at all. Anything exciting happening on your Friday night apart from this? Uh, not much. We're really just having a quiet one, making the dinner shortly, so not much. Well, David, uh, it's something to get a wee bit more exciting because just for getting on the line, uh, you have won the five-a-side team prize from Mego Sports. So you're going to kit it out with football tops, shorts and socks. And that is uh, seven strips, thanks to Mego Sports. So you're a five-a-side player, please say yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Good answer, yeah. right. Who do you fancy taking on tonight, either Hugh or Craig? Uh, Hugh, please. Right, okay, well, no, you don't get what you want, but we'll, we'll flip the coin. So, uh, Hugh, you will be heads, and Craig, you will be tails. So, here we go, flip the coin, and tails never fails, apart from tonight, because you're taking on Hugh, it was heads. So, Craig, you can relax. I can see you sweating from here, big man. Right, okay. So, uh, I will put Clyde 2 into Hugh's headphones, and is that in your headphones? There we are. So, uh, you are up first then, David. Are you ready? Yep. Okay, you have 30 seconds on the clock and your time starts now. Which Scottish side yesterday voted to end their amateur status? Queen's Park. Who was today appointed Kilmarnock's head of football operations? I'm not sure. Other than Barcelona and Real Madrid, who are the only other club never to be relegated from the Spanish top flight? Valencia. Which country won the 2002 World Cup? Um, Brazil. What is the nationality of Celtic defender Bolly Bolingoli? French. Oh, right. Right, David. You hang on the line. We will bring Hugh back into the studio. Are you with us, Hugh? Good. I am. Okay. Right. Are you ready for your questions, Hugh? Okay. Your 30 seconds begin now. Which Scottish side yesterday voted to end their amateur status? Queen's Park. Who was today appointed Kilmarnock's head of football James operations? Fowler. Other than Barcelona and Real Madrid, who are the only other club never to have been relegated from the Spanish top flight? Atletico Madrid. Which country won the 2002 World Cup? Germany. What is the nationality of Celtic defender Bolly Bolingoli? Austrian. Which Scottish side play their home games at Balmoral Stadium? Oh, pass. Who are the current champions of Portugal? Uh, Benfica. Out of time. Do we give him that, producer Dan? We do not give him that. So let's bring David back and we'll go through the questions. So the first question was, which Scottish side yesterday voted to end their amateur status? It was Queen's Park. You both got that one right. So one each so far. Who's today appointed Kilmarnock's head of football operations? It was James Fowler Hugh. Uh, you passed on that one, David. So that is 2-1 to Hugh. Other than Barcelona and Real Madrid, who are the only other top flight... Uh, who are the only other club, I should say, never to be relegated from the Spanish top flight? You said Valencia, David. You said Atletico Madrid, Hugh. It was Athletic Bilbao. Ooh. Athletic Bilbao. So still 2-1 to That's Hugh. Tough one. Which country won the 2002 World Cup? David, you said Brazil, which was the correct answer. They beat Germany in the final. 2-0. What nationality is Celtic defender at volleyball and goalie? Uh, David, you said French, I think. As he said, I think. Yeah, that's right. It wasn't really sure on it. <laughs> you said Austrian, Hugh, and if you'd sort of gone not quite in between, but a wee bit further north, Belgium. Oh. He's from Belgium. Mm. Which Scottish side play their home games at Balmoral Stadium? That is Cove Rangers, Hugh. Oh. You were the only one who mm. got to that question, which means you both got two. So it's a tie break. There you go. I yep. now have a major confession to make. Okay. 
How about that, the 2002 World Cup final? <laughs> 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 was, I was 1-2-0. Ronaldo scored Ronaldo, twice. Yeah. Yeah. Right, uh, so the question in terms of the tiebreaker is as follows and since David went first you can go first with us as well Celtic and Rangers are both dreaming of Europa League final glory in Gdansk as the crow flies what is the distance between Glasgow and the Polish city in miles David you go first David has to I, I actually write my answer down And then okay. David has to give his So right, okay. Just you, as well You never said anything there David You write your answer down then <laughs> Right repeat the question then Celtic and Rangers Are both dreaming of Europa League final glory In Gdansk As the crow flies What's the distance between Glasgow And the Polish city In miles So Hugh you write your answer down And David will come to you In just a wee second So David, what is your answer? 1,500 miles. 1,500 miles. 1,500 miles to be precise. That means that Hugh, you have won tonight because the answer is 907 miles. So you are closer. I well, put down 1,350, I think. You did. 1,350. Yeah. Oh, just to clarify, Craig Beatty, can yep. you clarify Absolutely, that? Yep. was the answer that was written down. So sorry about that, David, but a not bad try. You got to the tiebreaker. Not too bad at all. All right? Cheers. Um, was, was good fun. <laughs> thank, thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you, you very, very much. much. How can a man go to right, Yoka... Look. Yokohama for the World Cup final and, and not remember who won it <laughs> yeah. uh, you do have the five-a-side kit uh, from Mego Sports as well uh, so well done David enjoy your night thanks very much pal uh, the red right. wine must have been delightful over there Hugh <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, Mark Greedy's fault <laughs> how many World Cups have you been to Hugh you've been uh, to uh, um, three on three different continents uh, 1994 in the United States of America uh, 1998 in France and 2002 in uh, Japan and Korea and Korea, yeah, yeah. Opening ceremony was in Korea. What, think, a, what a what an occasion that was. Do you think you'll make it to another one with Scotland? Qatar next uh, up. I'll be happy to make it to December. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, we are taking your calls tonight. Oh one four one nine five one one zero two five. Now, Craig Beatty. You, I, I put my phone on during the Go week, on, right? and I went on his Twitter and I saw I was going through what was trending and I saw Craig Beatty's trending what's Craig Beatty been saying to him? and then I clicked on it and I went oh yeah boy right so Craig Beatty what did you say that led to all this all this stuff during the week all this what, what did I say or what did the headline read ah, see, ah, you're rolling back now you're so the headline back. on Twitter was former Celtic player Craig Beatty questions have Celtic got the bottle for a title challenge yep that that was the question posed okay on the headline <laughs> What I actually said was, um, you know, I was speaking to a very well-regarded journalist who had said that if Rangers were in the same position they are now, um, i.e. a goal away from Celtic at the top of the division with four games to go, um, would they have the bottle to see out a title challenge? So I then flipped a question on him and I said, well, what about Celtic's bottle? Because for me, other than once when kind of Graham Murray was in charge, Celtic have been very much unopposed in terms of winning the, the previous eight titles that they've won. Um, so for me, it'd be unfamiliar territory, it'd be uncharted waters for, for the current Celtic squad should they be in the same position with three or four games to go with only a solitary goal splitting them. Um, that was 
all I said um, I stand by what I said um, But obviously I've ended up uh, Trending on Twitter Because of it As you've well mentioned If you have a different opinion Then the number is 0141 951 1025 Craig Beatty questioning The bottle of Celtic So the headline said Hugh What do you make of it? I think it was a perfectly Legitimate point to make um, Celtic have had it All their own way For eight years Absolutely their own way In terms of the League championship If with four games to go uh, there was some dubiety About who was going to win the title Then of course Temperament Will have a large part to play And if you have been Unused to something For eight years Then When you're suddenly Confronted by it Then of course it, it, It's a bit of a A big moment for you Where you have to Readjust mm. um, I think it's a perfectly Legitimate point to make And the same would apply To Rangers Because they've in terms of winning major trophies They've done nothing mm. For eight years Therefore if you're four games away From winning one Your temperament comes into Question as well So I think it's a perfectly reasonable point But it will infuriate The Celtic supporters Who believe That this will go on And on and on forever Yeah And uh, Any Ranger supporter Who disagrees Will be accused of Not knowing what they're talking about Because they've never been there For years and years as suspected, the phone lines have lit up. Oh. 01419511025. Let's speak to Brian and Pollock. What would you like to say to Craig, Brian? Ah, uh, well, uh, Craig's changing what he said the other day already. Go on. The other day when he said that he never qualified it with the Graham Murray, the, the Graham Murray uh-huh. season. Yeah. You never mentioned that the other day. No, you're Barring absolutely that, right. But the season that the season that Aberdeen took us into the final four games was it? And barring that, you've got guys like Scott Brown, Fraser Foster, James Forrest, who have been there six, seven years ago uh-huh. and won titles then when Rangers were in the league. Uh-huh. So the, the, the rest of them haven't. I and I also think showed, that... I think that shows that they've got the bottle. Yeah. They know how to win things. How many times have Celtic been behind in cup finals and produced? So how can you question that, Paul? Well, I'm questioning... Listen, listen, first of all, Brian, first of all, it's hypothetical, Okay, So we're talking about three or four games to go with Rangers being as strong as they're shown at the minute. You know, Celtic have not had a challenge from Rangers, right? Rangers have not realistically had an opportunity to win the league recently. Now, all I've said is, with three, four games to go, if they have an opportunity this year... Now, other than the three players that you mentioned, the rest of them are, are fairly inexperienced in, term, in terms of being put under massive pressure. Uh, yeah, Scott Brown, James Forrest, they've all been there. They've shown that they can handle pressure in situations, international situations, domestic situations. It would be silly to question that because they've won the last nine trophies out of nine. So to, to suggest that, that I'm not aware of that would, would just be stupid. And for me to go on television or radio and say that... Would just be stupid But hypothetically speaking With three or four games to go I think And Hughes rightly rightly pointed out as well Rangers would be asked the same questions Now If Rangers are in this position With three games to go I think they've probably answered That they would be up for a challenge Having sustained it for 32-30 games of the season But That would be uncharted territory For Celtic Who have been pretty much Unopposed so far what about the cup finals when they've been behind? I'm, t- I'm talking about I'm talking about the unprecedented or, or the nine in a row with potentially ten in a row. I'm not talking about cup finals. We're talk- the hypothetical question put to me was about three or four games to go with the league if Rangers were challenging Celtic. Nothing to do with cup finals, nothing to do with runs in Europe. It was solely, hypothetically, this season 
to do with Rangers and Celtic, given the fact that Rangers are as strong as they have been in a decade. If, Brian, the clubs were neck and neck, separated by a goal as they are now, and there are four yep. games to play, is it unreasonable to suggest that temperament might come into it on both sides? Brian, sorry, let me just add something else I'm not for one minute suggesting Celtic don't have the bottle Celtic might go on and and win their last three or four games And win the league by three, four, five points potentially I'm not suggesting they don't What I'm suggesting is, at this point Hypothetically, with the majority of the Celtic squad We're we're unclear So Celtic may well go on to to, to win their remaining games But the the situation that you've just described With it going for nine in a row Nobody's, unless we want to go back to the Rangers team of the, the 90s and the Celtic team of the 70s, nobody's been through that. So how could you, how could anybody possibly approve that they can go through that? Well, that, was, that was a question that I posed. Decades ago. No, but I go back to my point, Brian. What, what is insulting about this for you? Four games to go, same number of points. Me. Well, you, you're, you're on and you're... You're, you're putting words in my mouth now you? Well how how would you React then to what Craig has said How would you uh, do, sum up your emotions My emotions Yeah I mean yeah. I wouldn't say I got particularly emotional about it But I, would, I, found it, I found it amusing I would say that more than anything else Right well I, I don't think it's amusing I think it's a perfectly valid point Four games to go Same number of points Separated by a goal as they are now Well What's the problem in saying that one of them might slip up temperamentally while acknowledging that Celtic for the last eight years have shown temperamental strength of a very high order? However, the difference is that for the last eight years, by and large, they've had it all to themselves in the running. But it's a hypothetical question. Four games ago, same number of points. Wouldn't you think there might be an element of doubt there? Here's the problem, Hugh. Oh, I, I, people are welcome to doubt it, but just when you bring in the, the temperament into it, Hugh, yeah. I think over the last five or six years, what Celtic have proved is their discipline and temperament is spot on. There's not one time that I can think of in the last four or five years that you could say the Celtic team have lost their discipline. Have they been, with, you want have they been within three games of winning nine in a row? No. no, so so going back to my initial point This would be uncharted waters then Which may introduce an element of A different type of temperament From what we've seen previous The, the problem the problem is you're like Because I'm a former Celtic player As soon as the headline didn't read particularly great uh-huh. The context of what I said I don't think is particularly bad You know, there, there's two former players Who was on uh, working with me on the weekend Completely agreed with what I said I've spoke to a current international player From the, the Scotland national team Fully in agreement with what I've said yeah. I've got the, the legend of journalism in the studio Completely agreeing That what I've said That there's nothing wrong with The, the problem is is Because I've used to play with Celtic They see the headlines They, they think there's something sinister in it And all of a sudden You, you trend on Twitter And to be fair the, the abuse I got on Twitter After it was absolutely unbelievable <coughs> Let's speak to Andy from Canvas Lang. Uh, do you back up what Craig's saying? I suspect you don't. Hi, good evening, panel. Hi, Andy. Craig, absolutely not. Hi, Craig. Uh, 100% not. Craig, a couple of weeks ago, you turned around and categorically said when Celtic dropped points, that's not the former champions. 
100%. Now you're backtracking, and what you're saying is, is that if Celtic don't get into that predicament, then they might or might not win the title. So make your mind up. They're either good enough for the title, right, hold or they're on. not good enough for the title. Right, I, no, I'm, no, I'm not, not suggesting. No, no, you hold on, Craig. No, no, you turned around categorically. Yep. When Celtic drop points, I remember you've seen it. That's not the form of champions. How is that not the form of champions? I'll tell you we how it's not the form of champions. Cause, uh, well, cause, hold, hold on. Go on, finish on, off, Andy. Go on. Okay, okay. Um, we've went to Ibrox. We've won. So. 100% We've already beat Rangers In their own backyard Right Which is great Great confidence booster Okay Given We've we've dropped points We were down to 10 men uh, um, And obviously we, we've, we've, we've dropped other points as well But my point to you is Craig How is that No the former champions And obviously With regards to the point um, That you were saying To the right, last call Let me address the your first point then Let me address your first point right, Andy okay. How then? is it not the former champions we watched, we so, stood, me, we'll me, and, listen, me, and, me and Hugh stood in the studio here And watched Celtic away to Hamilton They won 1-0 The performance was poor to say the least I then questioned right. if they would get the, through, the, through the season Performing as poorly as that away from home They then went to Hibs and drew And were very very poor So they've got one point right, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that, I'll four, give you that they were poor Right so okay, well right, we're I'll in agreement They went to Livingston and lost the match Hold on a wee second here, right? Go on. Let's break each. Hold on, Craig. Let's break each each match down individually, then. Right, fair dues. Um, they went to Easter Road and dropped points, right? Which is fine. You can have an off day, but we get a man sent off at Livingston, so it's very difficult to win against ten men. But for you as an ex-Celtic player to come round and say that's not the form of champions, you're backtracking, Craig. We've won nine out of nine trophies, right? We've beat Rangers this season, right? Um, we're, we're not so talking about the previous from. nine trophies We're not talking about the previous nine trophies but You're talking I, about I, I, the forum of champions Now Right, wait a minute Well, let's look at Rangers four, forum Listen, let's, oh, hold on, I'm not interested in Rangers I'm not interested in Rangers, Andy But you're digging Celtic and saying that obviously they're not good enough Yeah, because nine, um, four win. points out of nine Is not the form of champions And I, that was said two weeks ago right, So are Hold on then, Craig So are you saying 100% Celtic will win the title then? No, I'm absolutely not I've not said Rangers will win the oh, title oh. I've not said Celtic will win the title you mean you're no? You're just saying You've just turned around and said That's no the form of champions oh. So either they are <laughs> going to win the title Or they're not Andy, I don't know who's Andy, going to win the title Andy, the basic point here Is that Craig was asked If with four games to go The sides level No, no, sorry Sorry, cutie, but in there that's not the point I'm phoning up tonight about. No, but, but listen, I'm phoning up but, about but Craig. Craig, 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 Craig said two weeks ago. Craig, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Craig the, the reason why the reason why we brought up this line of conversation, the reason why we brought up this line of conversation, is because of something that Craig said on radio and on television earlier this week. That was specifically the question of with four games to go, the sides are level, and Craig's point was, well, be a test of your nerve then. If you're Celtic and you've had it all your own way He does not dispute That it would be the same test of nerve for Rangers Because they haven't won anything Of a major nature For eight years Therefore that was all he was addressing Four games to go Now the problem That Craig Beatty has And the Celtic supporters know this to be the case Craig Beatty played for Celtic Then he went away and he played for Hearts And he scored an important goal against Celtic And he celebrated And for that reason he must spend the rest of his life in sackcloth and ashes because he celebrated a goal scored against his former club. Not good enough. 
Well, thank you to Brian and Andy. I thought we'd get a few calls on that. We might keep this going. 01419511025. Let's talk about something else just for a wee change. Clyde One's Cash for Kids <laughs> Christmas in partnership with Wholesale Domestic Bathrooms Hillington. Proud to support Cash for Kids. Okay, so we are approaching Christmas and it's time for... Ah, to be a wee bit settled and think about maybe something else and time for a, for families and for celebration making friends and you know making making plans with your friends as well this is what we're all doing this time of year but unfortunately for thousands of children across Glasgow and the West it is just another day we want to make Christmas Day a different day for these kids and that means that Cash for Kids Mission Christmas is back for 2019 and the difference can mean money in the meter for the electricity it can mean a hot meal or maybe even a small gift as well. You can make this happen by supporting Clyde One's Cash for Kids Mission Christmas and you can fundraise on your own, ClydeOne.com. You can download the pack there and you can make a magical day just by giving that a little bit extra this year to thousands of kids across Glasgow in the West. So it's Cash for Kids Mission Christmas at Wholesale Domestic Bathrooms, Hillington and Clyde One. To donate money to this year's Mission Christmas appeal, you can head online now, right now, to ClydeOne.com. Right, we'll continue to take your calls after the break. 0141 951 1025. Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's Road Accident Solicitors. The compensation you deserve when you've been sidelined. Talk to Thompson's.com. Welcome back to Clyde One Super Scoreboard. It's Stephen Mill in for Gordon Duncan, Hugh Kevens, and Craig Beatty. An embattled Craig Beatty in the studio after that last section there. We're going to go straight to the lines and speak to Billy from East Kilbride. How are you doing, Billy? You all right? How are you doing, guys? What is your hey, point tonight, Billy? My point is to come on and defend the embattled Craig Beatty. I think what he said is absolutely 100% correct. Uh, this Celtic side have never had a close run challenge, so you don't know how it's going to how they're going to handle that. And I can understand the Celtic fans get up in an uproar about it, but if they just look back to Helicopter Sunday, which was arguably a stronger side than the one they've currently got. And all they had to do was match a Rangers result or beat Motherwell at Fur Park and bottled it. So it is a challenge there that this team have never met. Well, in history, uh, I would go back to uh, Celtic were in the league at uh, Paisley against St Mirren uh, when Hearts were seven minutes away from winning the title. So it can work the other way around. Uh, but I think we'll, we'll just... Lost the place as usual the, the only point being made Is that Rangers and Celtic Both Four games to go Both Will need to show Nerve And there's no point in saying But Celtic have done it consistently For the last eight years We're all perfectly well aware of that But for me the dynamic has changed a bit For the first time In the eight in a row Going on nine in a row of Celtic get the title For the first time in those years I think There is a proper competition I don't think they've ever been run close But I think they will be this season And then of course Once you're into the last five games of the season After the split You're playing theoretically the best teams there are And it will all get Very tense And that's the only point that Craig Beattie was Raising can I come back in at that? Go on. Yes, I understand what you're saying about the eight titles. And I'll say something that's very uh, poignant for the moment. That was eight titles 
with no challenge since the now questionable and orchestrated demise of Rangers. Now you're using orchestrated, you can't prove orchestrated. Also, uh, if Rangers are out of the top division, the competition does not go into a state of suspended animation. Celtic, to use the football expression, can only beat what's in front of them. So if Rangers aren't there, I believe there was one season where there was no Rangers, no Hearts and no Hibs. But that's not Celtic's fault. Celtic are running their business properly. And if you're not in the league, then you're not in there for a reason. And it's not Celtic's fault. Craig, there is another person who agrees with you, I believe. Andy is on the line and you're from Deniston. How are you doing, Andy? You all right? Yeah, I'm not bad, thanks. Yourselves? Yeah, not too bad. Do you think Craig's got a point then? I think he certainly does. I, I can't understand the barrage of negative responses he's been receiving. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, it goes to show, if you look at the wee table, it speaks for itself. It's not been this close for a long, long time. Probably not this decade. Um, and, aye, I mean, there's a, there's a definite point to be made there. Uh, the pressure will be on both teams come May, if it remains as it is. Uh, I just can't understand all the negative reception he's getting from Celtic fans. He's just making a... He's stating a fact. Well, you have to take personality into account here. And he's disliked by a lot of Celtic fans. So that has to come into the equation. However, for me, it's a question being raised about both teams. Four games to go, level points. Of course, temperament will come into it. And that's the only point that Craig is raising. He He's not saying... Celtic will fall apart They will collapse There'll be a mental breakdown He's not saying that He's saying for both teams You better have your game head on For those last four matches Yeah and hypothetically at the end of the season I could very well stand here again and say Celtic showed tremendous bottle So again I'm not suggesting for one minute Rangers will win the league I'm not suggesting Celtic will win the league Because quite frankly I have no idea who's going to win the league And right now it looks like it's going to go to the wire You'd like to come back in Andy? No, I was just I was just wanting to voice my support because I just can't understand how people would question his statement. I mean, if the league is looking like this, three, four games to go, both teams will be under immense pressure. Uh, Rangers obviously don't want Celtic to get another nine in a row. Celtic desperate for the for the uh, ultimately the ten, but need to get nine first. So I mean, it'll be interesting to see how it goes at the end of the season. Yeah, and that's all. That's all that Craig was saying. That it, you know, that push will get to shove, and you better be ready for it. Absolutely. Thank you very much to Andy. Let's say good evening to Brian, who joins us on the line from Middlesbrough. Brian, you're a Celtic fan. What is your take on this? So, guys, I don't actually have a problem with what Craig's got to say. I think obviously when you talk hypothetically, it's not fact. So everybody can can uh, can make up things, and they can also think what's going to happen. I think the thing for me, Craig, is. When you say that almost Celtic have been unchallenged, now I get that, but that's no Celtic's fault. But you should know better than anybody that to win as many games, play as well, win as many trophies, as many leagues, it takes a certain team and a certain character. So I think to say that they've been unchallenged isn't Celtic's fault because nobody's taken them to the last four games and it's been a goal in it. But I think obviously you've been a wee bit disrespectful not only to the other teams in the league, but also to Celtic because it does take a bit of a bit of character and a bit of bottle to be able to win so many titles and so many cups. I know you're only talking about the leagues 
to, I think it's a wee bit uh, discerning to, to Celtic to say because you haven't been challenged, um, it might be a bit different. Yeah, listen, I, I get what you're saying to an extent. Um, am I being disrespect, disrespectful? I don't think I am. Um, it does take a lot to win trophies, to win medals, to win league after league, game after game. Uh, I've got absolutely no question it does. I know it does. Um, but you've you've kind of acknowledged some of my point there, Brian. When, when you you know with your initial point, um, listen, it's again I can't I can't reiterate. I've not said that Rangers are going to win the league. Celtic are going to win the league. And to be quite frankly, I don't actually care who goes on to win the league. Um, the, the the conversation was just a bit of a hypothetical question about come the end of the season, it's going to take a bit of bottle now. Celtic have showed tremendous bottle to win a treble, to win a double treble, to win a treble treble. There's absolutely no question of that. But to go on from eight in a row to potentially win nine in a row, which would be absolutely massive in central Scotland, there's absolutely no question it would be. And if there was a challenge from Rangers, if there was a challenge from Rangers at the end of the season, then it will take a different type of bottle to get over the line. You want to come back in, Brian? Hey, I definitely. This is something to ask, ask Craig. Craig, when was it you were actually at Parkhead? What, what years was it? 2001 to 2007. Right, okay, so I've got a wee story to tell you. Uh, we were at uh, one of the training days at Parkhead. My daughter's now 21, and um, all the players, was that busy? All the players got their cars brought into the park. Uh-huh. And Craig, you were, you were the only player that stopped that day and got out of your car and uh, gave the fans uh, signatures and photographs. And you're the only one that stopped for my daughter that day, so. Uh, all right. I, don't, I definitely don't have a problem with you I think you're a good guy mate. Listen, I, I appreciate that then And to be fair all the way through my career I've done my absolute damnedest to, to give somebody a picture or an autograph And, and be as polite as I possibly can Because I'm under no illusions that the fans They sort of go a long way to, to, to pay your wages They, they support you um, And you know the Celtic support were fantastic with me While I was a, a player at Celtic And you know hopefully I've had your daughter's day that night Listen it's only that bold tonight But I, I got the photograph <laughs> I can only imagine it as Brian. Right, thanks very much. Thanks very much, Brian. You have no idea. My finger was hovering, hovering over the dumb button there. I wasn't sure where that story was going. Uh, thank you very much uh, to Brian for giving the call. The lines are still open. Oh one four one nine five one one zero two five. That is one thing that we definitely do have this season. And you know, it's, as you said, you it wasn't Celtic's fault no. that there haven't there hasn't been a, no. a a big title challenge over the past few years. Aberdeen got closest. I think it was four or five games to go. Uh, you know, I think there was a big game at Parkhead in the March, I seem to remember, and then it sort of fizzled out. But we do genuinely have a proper title race yeah. between Celtic and Rangers this season. I've been going through my memory, dodgy though it may be, um, for big moments at the end of a season. And there's always a photograph of Neil Lennon that's used by newspapers because it's such a graphic demonstration of one man's frustration. And it's the night in Inverness when he kicks the bottles up into the air. Now, Celtic went to Inverness and had they won that night, they're pretty much sure of becoming champions. Chris Common scored twice, but Celtic contrived to lose three goals. And it was a major, major setback on a night when they really ought to have won. And these things happen. And that's all that Craig was saying, that with four games to go, you've got to be right and there can be no Inverness moments. Uh, and that's all You know The same applies to Rangers Here we have a club And I keep on using it The expression They're looking for a tangible sign Of their improvement And that tangible sign Is the Betfred Cup The Scottish Cup Or 
the league Which is the number one thing for the Rangers supporters So if they are level with Celtic And there are four games to go And one of them In all probability Will be against Celtic The pressure on Rangers To end Those long years Without a major success And particularly without the league title And therefore the chance to Qualify for the Champions League The pressure on Rangers Will be tremendous as well The pressure on both Will be tremendous I cannot find it in myself To think that that is a derogatory statement Absolutely not So we're going to continue this 0141-951-1025 We'll get into the last part of the show In just a wee second Also a bit of news that came out last night as well Queen's Park will no longer mm. be An amateur club It was one of the quirks of Scottish football 152 yeah. years of history You were at their first game of course was, Back yeah. in the day And uh, they had a vote last night 200 members And it was uh, overwhelming And uh, we can speak to their president just now Who I believe you know I believe. Uh, well, I don't know Jerry, but uh, I've read him um, in newspapers and uh, Jerry Crawley and a uh, very sensible man. Let's hear from him. There's principally three, the three main reasons for the loss of the rights to play at Hamden Park when we when we move out, having sold the stadium. That means there's a major draw to come and play for the club uh, has gone uh, when we move to Lesser Hamden. There's also the our youth system. When our young players get to the age of 18, clearly as an amateur club, we're not able to offer professional contracts and therefore the aspiring young players are free to go to other clubs and, uh, and Queen's Park are not compensated for that. And we're, we're looking to really uh, change that uh, because we feel that the the, the aid to develop the, those young players, we should be compensated in some way. So turning professional or having the ability to offer professional contracts will help us in that area. And thirdly, increased competition coming from the Lowland League and clubs such as Cove, Edinburgh City and, and others to come means there's a, a real increased threat of long-established senior clubs falling out of the league. We didn't want to be one of them and we, we believe that being able to offer professional contracts can, can allow us to plan and, and, and build a squad which can be competitive and hopefully deter that threat. What do you think, you are, you are you sad at this news or are you... You know, they're still there. Mm. That's the important thing. The club is still there. They might have moved um, a couple of hundred feet in the opposite direction to Lesser Hamden, but they're still there. And I think Jerry Crawley makes a very uh, impressive case there. The loss of Hamden Park means that, you know, those who get a thrill out of playing for Queen's Park, because it was Hamden Park, uh, might look at Lesser Hamden in a different light, but not when Queen's Park become a... Fully professional senior club And start paying wages So I think he makes A very persuasive case um, They were a nice anomaly But they were an anomaly And now The threat of Dropping out of the league Altogether Is a real And present one And Jerry Crawley And everyone at Queen's Park Are reacting to that In the right way Yeah listen I, I, I listened to Jerry there And I couldn't agree more um, And to back up What he's actually said when Queen's Park get relegated from League 1 down to League 2 I was playing in League 2 at the time And without a shadow of a doubt The first thing I'd done when the fixtures came out Was I looked at the fixtures to find out When I would be back at Hamden oh. So it must have a, a massive pull the, the, the away teams, they love going to Hamden Because 98-99% of the lads have, have never played there at Hamden Obviously I've been fortunate enough I've played there with Celtic, Hearts, Scotland And it's just a wonderful place to play football Although you play there against Queens or with Queens and it's you know, there's two, three, four hundred people there. Yeah. But still to go on and play at the National Stadium is a little bit of an honour. Um, and even when I was thinking about retiring when, when I was at Elgin, you know, I had a wee look at the fixtures and stuff and it was it was on my mind that, you know, we had uh, Elgin, Queens Park at Hamden on the 22nd of December last year. 
and uh, it was on my mind to, to bow out at Hamden as well so it definitely has a pull um, you, you wanted to score and take your top off one more time is that what was? <laughs> no I think uh, I think we'll leave that one unique <laughs> um, <laughs> let's not forget that uh, Andy Robertson uh, went to Queen's Park when he was released by Celtic and, and so began a fairy tale story let's not forget that uh, Lauren Shankland who in all probability play for Scotland tomorrow against Cyprus he's a former Queen's Park player they have made their contribution to Scottish football and they want to continue making their contribution to Scottish football and the best, the safest way to do that is now to forego the amateur status and start paying the players. 0141-951-1025 We'll be taking your calls in the final part of the show after the break. Tackle the headlines. 0141-951-1025 Clyde One Super Scoreboard Welcome back to Clyde One Super Scoreboard It's Stephen Mill in for Gordon Duncan We are in the final part of today's show Or tonight's show I should say And just to let you know about Rangers and Celtic They're obviously going very well in the Europa League Celtic already qualified And Rangers on the verge of And Clyde One and Ladbrokes are with both sides Home and away throughout the campaign So to celebrate Clyde One's coverage of Celtic and Rangers In Europe with Ladbrokes Go to ClydeOne.com for your chance to win A stunning home entertainment system Right, we are, you know, we're on a football phone and nobody wants to talk about Scotland oh. what does that say about the state of the national team and the way that fans are looking at the Scottish national team at this moment in time in this part of the world in west central Scotland the obsession is with Celtic and Rangers uh, in one corner Neil Lennon doing terrific things for Celtic in the other corner Stephen Gerrard looking to Bring Rangers back to the forefront of Scottish football And doing a terrific job this season That consumes West Central Scotland The Scotland support tends to come from out with West Central Scotland And I think in this part of the world People see the international break as an irritation They see it as an unwanted interruption To the championship race and the bottom line is that at this time we don't have a good enough team and we don't get good enough results and that never helps either. Yeah, listen to you. I, I watched or listened to a very, very intelligent Barry Hearn, owner of Matchroom Sports, talk mm. at an event one day and he actually discussed Scottish football and the future. Now, what he was proposing, what he was motioning was, now I, I don't claim to be a businessman, but what he, what he said made very, very good sense. And given the fact he's made tens of millions out of a big room, a lot of alcohol and an hockey with the darts, <laughs> yeah. that he, he's probably worth listening to. Now for me, there should be as few empty seats as possible on Tuesday night. Now if it means going round the local schools, you know, boys brigade clubs, girl guides, whatever it may be, and get tickets out there and get people in to Hamden, and try and get the future involved, you know, and, and you might not reap the benefits now, you might not be two years, four years, five years, but in 10, 15, 20 years' time, you may have Scotland fans, the paying Scotland fan, you know, coming through the game, creating an atmosphere, cheering the lads on, which helps to an extent. Of course, the, the team need to be performing well, but you need to appeal to the youngsters, the generation now, to try and get them involved, get them engaged in the Scottish game. 
Um, just to clarify, we were meant to do a teaser tonight, but Craig Beatty, you took over. So there will be no <laughs> teaser tonight. We've ran out of time, unfortunately. I'll be back on Monday. Um, but just to go back to Scotland just for a second, um, you know, the point you were making there about trying to fill the stadium as as much as possible. You know, I've, I'm a Dunfermline fan, so I've seen us play in League One, finish seventh in League One. But I still, I still went to see them. I still went to see them every week. Is it just the fact that the ties between your club are not quite as strong as what is between well, your country? Well, let's be honest. You know, twenty odd years of non-success don't help. You know, France '98, the last time we were on the major stage. Um, the team right now, while it does have exceptional talents, like. Kieran Tierney, like Andy Robertson, Callum McGregor, James Forrest, you name it. But we are not successful. And when we've played Russia and Belgium, we've been given a hiding. And that doesn't inspire confidence and people don't like to be associated with something that's easily beaten. So Stevie Clark has a big job in his hands. And that's why I say qualification for Euro 2020 is essential because non-qualification will be seen as our national side having hit the bottom of the pile. Under-21s are in action at Tynecastle against Greece at this moment in time. Um, they have had a go. It looks like it might have been chopped off there, so it's just before half-time. looks like, uh, I'm not entirely sure who it was that knocked it in for Scotland, uh, but I'll get a clarification on that just a wee second. But Stephen has joined us on the line from Parkhead, and you want to talk about the title race. So, Stephen, what is your point? How are you doing? Hi Stephen um, No it's just I'm, I'm on here nearly every night Listening and the, Basically the full panel Has predicted that It's going to be a It's going to go right To the end of the season And I, I just don't know Where they're getting that for After 12 games Because it's neck and neck the new. We've not even had All the old firm games yet No you're right But what we've had so far And the, the, the first Sort of quarter of the season Suggests that it's going to go To the wire Listen you're, uh, Are you a Celtic fan Brian? Yes Right So Stephen, uh, Stephen, Stephen I beg your pardon Stephen So Listen I'm assuming that you think Celtic are going to run away With the title Is that fair to, fair to suggest? Of course, of course And I, I don't get how anybody Can stop us For thinking that Because of what's happened In the past Do you know what I mean? Right, I, well, don't, I don't understand it what I, I mean, Listen I'm forgive, not for one minute Forgive, I, the, Cel- for, forgive the Celtic fans For having swagger I'm thinking we're going to win it Because we've seen it All too many times For Rangers then they fall away Do you know what you, I mean? You completely no deserve to have swagger Given the success you've had In, in recent years you well, know. Of course Yeah well I'm agreeing with you You're going for nine in a row You've won An unprecedented treble treble So you are 100% entitled To have that swagger But what we've seen so far This season Is a much much stronger Rangers And At the minute There's a solitary goal That, that splits the two teams At the top of the division So I think as As a journalist Or somebody in the media It would be silly To stand here and suggest that one of them could win it by a wide margin. What's Celtic going to do in January? Though with the suggested thirty million pounds that they've got, you've got to ask yourself that. Do you know 100%, what I mean? percent, and we'll probably have another conversation January, February, March time but after you, the transfer you, window. Stephen, you're raising a hypothetical situation there. What will Celtic do with that money? All that Craig Beattie was doing when he started this trouble was <laughs> was addressing a hypothetical situation. There's no no one here. Suggesting Or stating that The teams will be level On points with four games to go But Craig Was asked a hypothetical question And gave a hypothetical answer And now you have said Hypothetically 
What will Celtic do in January with all that money? I don't know. It will depend on whether Rangers are still on their case. At that point, Celtic will spend because they have the money to spend. But it's hypothetical up until then. The good thing, Stephen, when we're talking hypothetically is that we are both right. There's no facts. <laughs> That's the way we like it here on Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Uh, thank you very much for having us on tonight. Obviously, big game tomorrow in terms of Scotland. Quick prediction for you. We've never lost well, to Cyprus. Uh, tomorrow is Scotland's 777th international. 777. Let's hope it doesn't end in 999. <laughs> Craig Beatty? <laughs> How do you want me to top that? I, I don't Let's end can. the show on that, Stephen. Exactly. So there'll be full coverage on Monday. All the reaction to it. No Super Scoreboard tomorrow or Sunday. It's a weekend off for the lads. Hope you have a good one, whatever you're up to. We'll be back on Monday night, 6 pm. Ready for your calls? 0141 951 And have a cracking weekend and let's hope it's a wee bit cheerful and Scotland get all three points tomorrow GBX next Super Scoreboard with Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors, the form team for compensation for more than 40 years. Talk to Thompson's.com.